It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I'm excited to talk with my guest today, joining me, James Carberry. James is... How- Oh, I'm sorry about that. I there totally you go. Sh- you yeah. almost think it's the James Carberry show. Gosh. <laughs> and that's okay. So Ooh, let me, I'm so sorry. Let me finish. Okay. So James is a principal in, you know, here we are. We're so organized. He's a principal in Sweetfish Media. It's a company that helps B2B companies develop relationships with their ideal clients and more. Uh, and he'll talk about some of the tools they use to help companies do that. He's also a co-host of the B2B show, a podcast about B2B sales and marketing, on which I've been honored to be a guest, and maybe I'll be a guest again at some point. Yeah. So, James, welcome to Accelerate. Thank you so much, Andy. Really excited to be here, man. Good. So, after you've jumped all over my introduction, introduce yourself. <laughs> uh, tell, yeah. pe- tell people all about you. Yeah, yeah. So, Andy, I uh, I founded Sweetfish uh, about a year and a half ago, and we started off as a content writing shop. So, we were writing a lot of blog content for uh, for different clients, and um, and realized about ten months into it that um, there was this really effective way of creating relationships with uh, your ideal client, particularly in a B two B context. And so, um, we shifted back in October of 2015 and started producing niche podcasts for B2B companies so that they could position themselves in a way to connect with their ideal clients by inviting those ideal clients to be guests on their show. So that is what we are up to now. Perfect. So have you ever interviewed Todd Schnick? I have not had Todd Schnick. I'm writing his name down right now, though. You should. He's been doing that type of business for quite some time. So... um, so, yeah, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about podcasts and sales. And, and it's sort of interesting. I talk about with companies about is a podcast really a sales tool for them as companies? They tend to think about podcasters being like guys like me that have written books and we speak and you know, we've got people and we're talking about opinions and so on. But, but actually, yep. it's a great way to generate prospects. So let's talk about that. Is yeah. it a good sales tool? I think it is absolutely a good sales tool um, because it be, because of the, its ability for you to create an organic uh, relationship with someone. And so, in in the B two B world, the the world that we live in, your the the lifetime value of each of your clients is is probably pretty high. And so, when you know we what we like to to tell our clients, if I mean if you're if your lifetime value is more than $25,000, then it is well worth the effort to, uh, to lay the, the framework of a, re- of a real relationship with someone um, before you go to their, you know, kind of go straight to their throat with your offer and making a pitch. Um, so instead of doing that by, I mean, you can ask somebody to be on your show, uh, give them an opportunity to share what they're doing with your audience. Uh, you also have an opportunity to create great content for, for your website. Um, if you turn that into a blog post or, you know, post on LinkedIn or medium, uh, and the, the, the biggest benefit is now you have that relationship with the person that you ultimately would, you know, we'd hope to do business with. All right. So let's just deconstruct that again for people that yeah. maybe you jumped right into it is, 
a podcast, which some people think is you know something that may be very complex and technical, which really actually isn't these days, yeah. is is you think about it just as one more piece of content, like your blog or like you know some marketing piece you may have an ebook or something you have on your website. But it's, as you said, it's a little more, a lot more interactive, more organic, a little bit longer form. Yeah, and and we'll get back to the idea of the longer form. Is it's a way if you let's say you have people on your your list uh, or people you know, on your mail list or come to your website visitors that come fairly regularly. Yeah, it's a real different experience listening to somebody in your company talk to an existing customer or potentially a new customer about what they've done with your company and and other things they're working on than they could get from anything they can read. Yeah, exactly. It's a much more intimate way of someone consuming your brand when they hear your voice. Um, and, and the nature of podcasts is that they would subscribe and they're listening to it every week or how, you know, whatever the frequency is. I know your, your show is five days a week. Ours is seven days a week. Um, so depending on the frequency by which you do your podcast, it's just a way for you to, um, it's, it's really effective way of building trust because someone is actually hearing your voice. Excellent, excellent. So let's sort of break down how, how it works. So how do you work with a company to help them yeah. Build, yeah. A blog, build their podcast? And really, what's what's the decisions they should make, whether they need one or not? Or should you yeah. do one or yeah. not, as so, opposed to where they can invest their time otherwise? Yeah, so I always suggest if, if, the, li- if the lifetime value of your uh, customer is more than $25,000, I think it's absolutely worth the investment to do it. Um, and kind of, I mean, what we do, we kind of dedicate the first month of working with a client to just getting the show launched. So you want to really establish the brand for the show. And there's a little bit of art in this because what you want the show to be able to position you to do is to reach out to your ideal client. So think through, you know, if your, uh, if your ideal client is, um, you know, a COO, uh, maybe you could do a show uh, around maybe called the operations executive. And so uh, you, you want the show to be centric around who you're trying to connect with. And the show needs to be a platform for them to be able to share their wisdom, their insights, um, on, you know, on, on the show. And so typically uh, the your, your ideal client is coming on to uh, to speak to uh, other people in that space that could learn from their wisdom, and so um, if you were to do the the operations executive show, uh, that when you reach out to a COO, now you're not asking them, "Hey, buy my thing." You're saying, "Hey, I've I've, I've got a show called the operations executive. I saw your LinkedIn profile. I think you'd be a great fit for the show. I'd love to feature you on it. Um, you know, is it is it something you'd be interested in?" And they're much more likely to say yes. Um, with that. So, so getting the brand right for the show on the front end and, and really nailing that, uh, I think is, is super important. Okay. So who hosts it typically? Yeah. So our clients host their shows. Um, so, uh, we do, we do all of the kind of prospecting. Uh, we find the, you know, the people that, that should be, uh, ideal guests for them. AKA ideal clients for them. Uh, and then we do all of the emails back and forth with, uh, with the guest to set those up and the client actually hosts it. So it's, it's either one of the founders or it's the VP of sales or the VP of business development. Um, it's someone that the person that is really like wanting to, uh, nurture the relationship with this person. So that's, that's who we suggest hosting it. Do you have to train them? 
Uh, yeah, we, we go through in the first month, we've got a kind of a podcast handbook that we've put together that goes over some best practices, some different things that you can do in the pre-interview to really set yourself up to, su- to succeed with it. Um, and, uh, and that's, that's, to, that's really, that's been really helpful for our clients since we've started doing this. Um, because I, I think I, you know, Andy, you and I do this all the time. And so I think I took for granted, you know, that there is an art to, uh, to being able to, uh, facilitate a really great conversation. And so, yeah, there's, there's several different points. It could probably be a whole nother episode on, on how you do the pre-interview to really set yourself up to succeed in the interview. But, um, it's the the long and short of it is you want to you want to go by the time you get into the interview you want to have a very documented idea uh, like written down on a notepad next to your laptop kind of hey this is the direction we'd like to go with with the show particularly with folks that are new at it and are, aren't as comfortable just kind of going on the fly we've got we've got one client who's really comfortable behind a mic and he doesn't necessarily need to do that but uh, a, a lot of our clients do. They just like having, okay, we're going to talk about these three things. And all I know that, that I've got to kind of play point guard and I'm just going to get the, the conversation from one point to the next. Uh, and, and when you have it outlined like that, it, it, it really takes a lot of the anxiety away. Okay. So what you're saying is you work with the clients yeah. to help them come up with that outline or you develop that outline yeah. for them. But from on an yeah. episode to episode basis, they're taking care of that themselves. Yeah, they're they're doing they're conducting the actual interview themselves, and and we're basically setting them up for success by kind of giving them an outline like, hey, here are the three to five things that this guest wants to talk about. Um, oh, so so you're doing the pre-interview as part of your service. Yeah, well, they're, they're they're we're not doing the pre-interview. We're going back and forth via email. Um, and so we've, we've figured out a lot of the pre-interview elements via email so that whenever they get on their pre-interview, it's just really confirming what we've talked about in the email. Hey, these are the three things. Can you, you know, can you expand on this a little bit just so I have an understanding? So when we start recording, I can sound kind of educated, uh, as it, you know, as it relates to this particular thing thing that you were wanting to talk about. So the, the pre-interview is usually only about five minutes. And, uh, and a lot of our clients, we, I mean, our show is 12 to 15 minutes. And so that's where I kind of push a lot of our clients to do a little bit shorter form, 12 to 15 minutes with a five minute pre-interview puts it at about a 20 minute commitment for the person that they're inviting to be on the show. That's pretty, very reasonable. So what's our frequency do? Yeah, we, tell we people do, they should do this on. Yeah, as we we've been doing weekly podcasts for uh, for folks. I, I can see us shifting into a, into a model where we charge a little bit more and do maybe a three day week um, for the folks that want to get really crazy, uh, like like you and me, maybe five day a week or seven day a week down the road. Once we've really dialed in um, our processes and feel like our in, our internal team could handle that. Because we're we're figuring it out with ours. I mean, we just shifted to seven days a week, and there's just a lot of elements involved in that. And uh, and so that down the road, I could see us possibly doing that. But right now, uh, we're producing weekly shows for for our clients. And you do the editing and everything. Oh, all the yeah, post production. Yeah we've, yeah, we've got all the po- we've got the audio engineers on our team that are doing all of the post production and that kind of technical stuff on the back end. So from a technical standpoint, and are you hosting them on your because the for people who don't know, on podcasts, there's a host that uh, you yeah. contract with. So, um, 
do you do all that for them? Set that all up, or do they have their own accounts for that? Yeah, they they have their own accounts, but we set it all up. So they um, they you know we and we actually pay for it up until the point where you know if they if they decide down the road they don't want to you know they want to do it in house or manage it in house, then we just switch over the the credit card. So we actually cover all the hosting and and uh, take care of all that. So they really don't have to mess with any of the detail. Very cool. Very cool. Well, so I, I think for people out there and accelerate listeners that are they're listening to this i've had other conversations that will be airing here uh one same time as james interview here is podcast as a sales tool as you think about you need to be creating content good meaningful relevant content for for people that are interested in buying your product or your service and for so many companies sitting in front of a computer screen and trying to think oh gosh i gotta type a blog this week what am i going to talk about Mm -hmm. Uh, very daunting Very daunting. So, yeah, you think about a podcast. It's actually you're just you're just talking, and you're talking about yeah. something you know, something you're interested in. Exactly, it becomes very powerful. So this is this is an interesting tool. People should consider uh, adding to their mix, their content mix, because it it uh, it works. It works. Yeah, and we, I mean, for our, for our for our, the folks that we're working with, we've got a team of copywriters, and we're taking their podcast interviews and we're turning them into blog posts. And so for the, for accelerate listeners, if you decide, Hey, I want, you know, I want, I want to try to do this on my own. If you've got a copywriter that you work with or someone on your team that, that writes copy, it's so much easier for a copywriter to take an interview and not necessarily transcribe it. I don't know that those are, that those are super effective in, in the transcriptions that I've seen that it can be a little bit t- harder to ingest that type of content, but <laughs> yeah, if but- they have a, if, if they have kind of a, a framework, we've got a really cool blog post uh, kind of checklist that we use uh, of different, you know, what goes into a really good blog post. Uh, if they've got something like that that they use, they can take that interview and then turn it into really good written content that can be repurposed all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Trying to read the, the transcript and the spoken word is not the same as reading a well-written yeah. piece. It doesn't exactly. flow the same way. Yeah, yeah actually, exactly. we, we, we stopped offering transcripts because... Yeah, I thought they were of limited value. So, um, very cool. Well, we're going to take a short break, and we're going to come back and keep on talking with my guest, James Carberry. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Okay, we're back talking with James Carberry. We just covered why you, as a sales organization, as a company, should consider having your own podcast and James will give you more information later about how you can contact them about the business they do of helping companies build that up. So with your business-to-business podcast, I mean, you're out there in the market, you're learning a lot about sales and so on. I mean, what's your sense? Where are people sort of struggling the most these days? Yeah, that's a great question, Handy. I've, I've been talking to a lot of folks around cold email. I feel like that's 
that's a theme that has come up a lot. Um, we were just talking to uh, Heather Morgan from salesfolk.com mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, yesterday. And just we were talking, I, I feel like I've, I've talked to, I think, episode 14, we talked to Will Dinkle about kind of personalization in your cold emails. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, I think that's something that people are getting a lot better with. I think they're, they're understanding, um, that when, uh, your SDRs are sending, you know, cold outreach, uh, that there, there needs to be a cadence to it. You need to be adding value in in every email that you're sending out. Um, and, uh, and the, the copy needs to be much more conversational in tone and as, as, as opposed to, uh, someone getting a, an email from you and it just looking like they got added to your newsletter, um, because you've, you're just vomiting more of a marketing message, uh, in what's intended to be a one-to-one email. And so that, that topic's been coming out, uh, coming up a lot with us anyway. Yeah. I mean, well, actually the topic sort of goes along with that is sort of another wave that's coming of people saying that, you know, cold email is just overdone. Doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter how good you are at it. Is that the volume of emails is just too much? People are just hitting delete automatically, and that really, it's we got to be phone based. I mean, <laughs> more and more people are saying you know, the most important sales tool that exists today is not some app; it's the phone. Mm, interesting, interesting. We've done we've done a couple of interviews with folks that are that are touting the the cold call, like go, you know, go back to cold calling. Like it's not dead. Keep doing it. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, that's a, uh, that's a theory that is very alive and well. And, and if you're seeing success with it, I think, I mean, go for it. I think the biggest thing, uh, Andy is, is just, I mean, measure, like <laughs> measure your cold email, measure your, your, uh, cold calls, like, and, and across the spectrum of your team, what's delivering results double down on and, and continue to, uh, to put, you know, the effort into optimizing those efforts. And so, um, so yeah, I, I, I would, I would say we, we probably haven't talked to as many people that have talked about cold calling as we have folks that have mentioned kind of how they're winning with cold email, but, uh, but it's definitely, uh, I, I think it's, it's still very alive today. Well, yeah. I mean, without being too cynical, everybody says they're winning with cold email. So, and it's you know open open debate whether they really are or not right because if you look at at the SaaS industry and what they claim is sort of their target conversion rates they're exceedingly low. I mean it's all based on quantity. I mean, there's very yeah. little out there about quality, and yeah. and all these applications that enable you to do personalization. So notwithstanding, given sort of the the numbers crunch and the pressure that the SDRs are under to hit certain targets, mm-hmm. you know, that, that falls by the wayside. Yeah, and so. Even with you know people like Heather and others that that are really great experts at this, it doesn't translate. It's still people out there burning through lots of companies to try to because it's a volume yeah. base. Yeah, that's. I mean, you you hit the nail on the head with um, the, the what is it the spray and pray mentality where folks will get a, a list of ten thousand leads uh, and they go out and they email ten thousand of them with the same carbon copy message. And when they get a hundred people to respond, they're they're like, oh yeah, look at you know, look, we got a hundred people to respond, and it's like, yeah, but you just burned ninety nine hundred potential people that could work with you because you had lackluster messaging. Uh, and, but, but the and response, it as a, but, it's, it's, yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt. I mean, the response to most people though is when they get that hundred responses of a thousand or ten thousand emails is, well, okay, next time, what are we going to do to get a hundred and one? Yeah, yeah. 
That's, yeah, that's the mentality. Kinda, it's not, yep, let's yep. send out 200. Yep. And let's, only, never, let's never. really target, let's really narrow, let's focus down. And, but even in the cases where that is happening, you see some SDRs and some inside sales environments where, okay, you've got, as an SDR, you're responsible for 300 logos that you're going to supposed to be developing and nurturing as you put them in your cadence and you burn through them in a week. And mm. then what? Then what? Yeah. And yep. yeah, I've, I've talked to a number of VPs of sales from inside sales organizations that are starting to see this, this artifact, this thing occurring is that, you know, this model is sort of got a weakness there mm-hmm. Yeah, Be- because at the end of the day, it's still a person buying from a person yet. We're sort of exhausting these individuals with everything that happens before they even get a chance to talk to a person. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's just another case for why the, why a podcast can be so powerful um, because it's just a different means of, uh, you know, it's just a different means of reaching out to someone instead of reaching out with and, and asking them to, uh, you know, set up a demo or, um, uh, you know, with the variety of kind of sales call to actions that we have in our, in our email campaigns, if you're reaching out to someone and asking them to be a guest on your show, it's just a, it's a different ask. There's not a lot of people asking, uh, asking your ideal clients to be a guest on their show. And because of the novelty of it right now, at least, you know, in a couple of years, that may, uh, the tide may change. And that may be something that, that marketers latch onto and, uh, marketers ruin everything. (laughs) But, um, but, uh, but right now, man, we've, I mean, we've been seeing really, really great response with it. And, and so have our clients and, and, uh, and I think, uh, but, but I totally agree, man, that, that (laughs) there, there is a gaping flaw in, uh, in cold email, particularly, I mean, there's so many different elements that you can screw up. Uh, and, and when you're having an entire sales organization say, you, you say, Hey, here are these 10,000 leads go. Um, there's, there's just so many variables that, um, that, that, that can be screwed up. And, and if you're not attentive to those, they will be screwed up and Uh, they're not, your campaign is not going to be effective. We've all done it. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I, Gosh, I wouldn't claim to be an expert by any stretch. <laughs> Far from it. <laughs> but, yeah, I rely on people like uh, like Heather and other experts. You know, I read their read her blog and so on that, to help you with uh, with us. So, one one other point I was going to make is sort of interesting because we're sort of talking about this. You know, there's the lack of of the personal. The email is is one step removed in terms of really being personalized compared yeah. to a cold outreach on the phone. Let's say, yeah. Which again, some people we've got one of the great things about this business in sales is we've got. I guess like anything in life, maybe like politics and so on. We got people on the polar extremes that have very strong opinions to make it very interesting to sort of carve out a middle ground. But but one yeah. thing you had had just a interview with my friend Jim Keenan. Yeah. And you had talked about and he's been on my show twice, and you'd talked about um or he had talked about that hey, like buyers don't need to like you. Mm. And that was very interesting, yeah. Yeah, so I the question is, is is did he fundamentally misunderstand what the like means in sales? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it was. It seemed like more of a response to um, talking to a lot of people whose product didn't just really wasn't going to add value. And and I think what you know, after Jonathan and I got done with that interview, we were we were unpacking it and talking about. Um, you know, people don't need to like you, but it definitely doesn't hurt. 
when they like you. Um, but I think the, the focus uh, of what Keenan was talking about in that interview was really more on like making sure that what you're selling adds a tremendous amount of value to who you're, who you're reaching out to with it. Um, because that value matters way more than, uh, you know, whether the person likes you or not. Uh, I, I still think that it's, it's an, that's important for, for sales folks to, to be liked. Um, but I, I think adding value is, is the number one priority. Yeah, I think it's an interesting topic because I think people misunderstand. Maybe Jim did as well. But I think people misunderstand what it means to be what the like. If you say, hey, people buy from people they know, like, and trust. Yeah. You know, the like isn't <laughs> – think about it in grade school. You know, you'd say, yeah, hey, did you like this girl? Or did you like like this girl, right? You know this whole thing, is, and and your customers don't need to like like you; they just need to not dislike you, right? Yeah. It's it's yeah. like a, it's like a positive neutral, yeah. what I call a positive neutrality, is what they need to feel about you. Interesting. Yep. Yep. I mean, if and so that is liking. It's not. I want to have a relationship with this person. I want to go out to lunch with you. I want to play golf with you. But yeah, there could be positively neutral about you as opposed yeah. to actively disliking yeah. you and, and, and you, going back to the going back to the cold email like talking about cold email i think that's a by you know we were i was talking with heather yesterday about how, how she's saying that statistically folks should be sending eight like eight follow-ups i think it is um and and she's like but the problem is people are sending these you know these eight email cadences and they're the emails are awful. And so people end up hating you before you ever get the chance to get them to agree to be on a demo because you've annoyed them so much. And so you've done the exact opposite of what, what you were just talking about. You've made them dislike you. Uh, and, uh, and they haven't even been on the phone with you yet. Yeah. I think that unless you, quite frankly, I think my opinion is that because I'm, I sign up for stuff all the time because this is my business. I want to get these emails. I want to see what they say. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are many of them in there that are written by extreme pros at this. And the fact is mm-hmm. that after the first two, I hate them all anyway. <laughs> yep. I mean, it's, it's so rarely that anyone comes out with a sequence that I find compelling enough to read beyond the first one. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's and, a challenge. And- I think the challenge for us as a sales industry and marketers and so on is to say, yeah, how do you really engage? Because I know there's a lot of great Content's written, but it's extremely rare. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking we're talking, you know, less than five percent of them, which is a pretty low statistic of those that pass that bar that say, "Yeah, I." First one is so interesting that when the second one comes, I want to read it, even though I'm not intending to buy. So <laughs> that I'm, that I'm yeah. compelled enough to even open up what the second one and see what the message is. Yep, exactly. And and the messaging that I was talking about with Heather, that's not even that those emails aren't even coming because you've signed up for something. There those emails are coming from, you know, an SDR who just identified you as a as a potential, you know, as as a prospect and started emailing you without, you know, without you opting into anything. So you're already kind of on shaky ground because you're <laughs> yeah, you're, you're emailing someone that doesn't that, that didn't raise their hand and say I want to hear from you. Yeah, yeah, like I said you're you already dislike them, and I, I mean, I, and so we start thinking about this no like and trust is is that that is so often not considered in these cold emails that are sent. Is yep. you know, how do you how do you begin to engage at that level? People learn something through the email that they understand something about you. I mean, I just spoke to somebody 
interviewed is talking about when their emails, you know, people, uh, their sales reps, SDRs, film short little videos they associate and attach to the, the emails that go out. So the mm. customer gets a chance to say, hi, the, you know, this is, this is Andy, and, and uh, you know, I know you've interrupted your day to look at this, uh, this video, but I just want to tell you why, why I'm reaching out to you. Here's, what, you know, here's our value proposition, how they position it in a minute, minute and a half. And that, mm-hmm. whoa, that's a great differentiator right there. Yeah. That's a chance to be compelling. And it's yep. in, in an email. So, all right, yep. well, good, good stuff, yep. good stuff. So we're going to move to the last segment of my show. I know you've been looking forward to this. Uh, standard questions I ask all my guests. and Yeah, I know. See, you love it. The first one <laughs> is this hypothetical scenario posed to all my guests. You've just been hired as the new sales leader at a company whose sales of the wheels have fallen off. And they want to get the wheels back on and back headed in a positive direction. CEO is really anxious for things to happen. So what two things would you do on your first week on the job that would have the biggest impact? First two things I would do. The first week on the job that would have the biggest impact. I think I would do uh, – I think I would have I – w- I would do a deep dive on uh, what our processes are around prospecting for uh for our outbound team like how are we how are we identifying who we need to go after Mm -hmm. and then i and then i think the the second piece of that would be um then really dialing in what is that messaging around how we're reaching out to them whether it be you know is is it a is it a cold call message is it a cold email message is it you know, how are we reaching out to them? And I think by doing those two things, I think we, we've just kind of uh, really started to document our prospecting process internally for our business. And mm-hmm. I think it's, and it's made such a huge difference for us. So those would be the two things that, uh, that, I, would, that I would focus on. Okay. No, that's a good answer. I mean, documenting your process is so key. So few companies do yep. it. They take things for granted. And you should never presume as a sales leader that anything is happening that's not yeah. documented all right yeah. good so now some rapid fire questions you can give me one word answers or you can elaborate if you wish first one is when you james carberry are out selling your products and services what's your most powerful sales attribute the most powerful sales attribute i mean i i think the um the, the for me personally, it's I have the ability to uh, instead of just uh, going straight for the sale because I have a sh- like you, I have a show, so I can instantly off the bat create this relationship with the person because I can say, hey man, I'd love to I'd love to have you uh, on our show to talk about you know whatever it is that we were talking you know if I met him in person and we got to talking about something sales related, um, I I can I have a I an easy way to add depth to that relationship beyond, uh, the first interaction and, and the, you know, the, the podcast allows me to do that. So I think that's, uh, that's probably the, the, the biggest attribute there. So the podcast. Yep. Okay. See, we could have had one word answer our podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll learn. I'll get better with this next one. I'm sorry. Giving you a hard time. So the second question is who's your sales role model? Gary Vaynerchuk. Excellent answer. What's one book every salesperson should read? Hmm. <laughs> How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. 
great book. It's still extremely relevant. I have my clients read it. Great answer. Here's the tough question of the day then. So, gosh, what music are you listening to on your playlist these days? Oh man, I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna shame myself right here, but I'm I've been listening to Justin Bieber's new album and just crushing it. <laughs> I've, well, I'm laughing because I have to admit I've I've not really liked any of his earlier stuff, but I like some of the things on this one too. His new album, man, like it's it's been rocking my world since like February or March, I think. It's been it's uh, it's had some staying power in my in my playlist for sure. Yeah, he's grown up. Yep, he yeah. has. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, well, James, well, thanks for being on the show. Tell people how they can find out more about you. Yeah, so you can go to sweetfishmedia.com uh, and uh, check out what we're doing there. You can check out our podcast at b2bgrowthshow.com, uh, or you can shoot me an email, james at sweetfishmedia.com. I'd love to connect with with anybody and, and uh, help out any, anyone that has any questions about this stuff. I'd love adding value in whatever way I can. All right. So uh, really, last question, what is a sweetfish? So I am obsessed with Swedish fish, the candy, and uh, and I was in a mad dash to try to find a domain that that aligned with my love for Swedish fish, and right. sweet fish is uh, is where we landed. I love it. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I, love, I love those Swedish fish as well. Okay, perfect. All right. Well, friends, thanks, James. Remember, thanks again for being on the show. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And one easy way to do that is to make this podcast accelerate a part of your daily routine, whether it's listening on your commute, in the gym, or as part of your morning sales meeting. That way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, James Carberry, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com. 